I won't talk too much. I kind of just, I kind of will ask questions, and then I kind of try to ask questions like the audience is watching. What do you mean by that? So can you tell me, like, what? can you clarify that? Stuff like that. That's about it. Uh, okay. It looks, yeah, the studio looks professional on TV. It doesn't look the same when you... I think it's the lighting, yeah? Okay, that looks cool. And, yeah, and don't... A lot of guests, they get very stiff, meaning you'll be talking and chilling and you want the sip of the water and they're like, uh, they just, you can just be com comfortable. I always tell the guests, just be comfortable. Like, even if you're talking, like, don't worry about the cameras. Just keep talking, gr play with the mic, grab this. Most guests, their first time, they're just very... And it's like, just no, be comfortable, whatever you want. I'll, I'll help you in the podcast with the microphone because I, I understand the volume levels. So I think first, let's... Yeah, so I think bring it... You're going to want to put it like... Okay, so let's cut to your camera. So first, um, go to his camera. Okay, so just imagine later we need to cut this into like reels. So you got to adjust your mic a bit because if it's too far in your face, this is the reel. So just, I think you bring it closer and almost like here and down. I think that looks okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The camera. Okay. But the, these guys will be okay if he talks quiet, right? Yeah. Okay, because we record on two audio channels. So they can fix it and post, turn it up a bit. The problem is when you record on one, because I can be loud, and if you're quiet, you cannot fix the all. It's fucked. Yeah. It's so loud everywhere. Testing, testing. Okay, cool. Do you think that the poster looks better now? It doesn't look too natural, but we just put the we just added the posters today. <laughs> yeah, they I just had them in storage. Um, yeah, it's it's good for marketing. We were using I use the arcade a lot, but honestly, everyone complains about the arcade because then this like you're talking in just machines like. Yeah, it can be a bit distracting. Some people don't like it. Okay. Yeah, we still we haven't taken our sponsor off yet. <laughs> okay, so uh, do you want me to clap? Okay, I'm going to clap and then count to two and then you clap. Okay, ready? Good. You want me to clap? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Um, okay, so Mick, how to pronounce your last name? Yeah, see, I'm going <laughs> to die. Yeah, Mokuyoko. 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 What is this last name? Where is it from? Okay, nothing. Mokuyoko. I guess because of the Yoko, right? I'm, I know, I'm like, that's not Japanese. Honest, right away, I think Japanese, and then I, I'm like, there's no way. 
Okay. Mokoyoko. Mokoyoko. I'm not sure I say it like a Japanese person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're, I, uh, we're good. And then, oh, this uh, on the side of the head, you have a wheel. You can adjust the volume. But if it's okay, then it's fine. Okay. I'll try to keep it tight. Oh, that looks way better now. I like it. That looks cool. That looks cool. That looks cool. Okay, good. Actually, let me sip some water. Mokoyoko. Mokoyoko. Okay, let's try my best. Okay, ready? Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have a massive legend of a guest. Coming on the podcast, we have Mick Yoko. Mokoyoko. I almost messed that up. We went over it like four times and I just stumbled. That's okay. It's Mick Mokoyoko. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about his last name, where he's from, and the answer is not Japan. Uh, so today with Mick, we're going to be discussing where he's coming from. Now, he's coming from Cologne, Germany, but let's dive a little bit deeper into his profession. It is an interesting story. You're absolutely going to love it. I'm not going to share too many details. Um, so we're going to let Mick tell you all about that. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We are Fruiting Body Podcast, sponsored by us, Fruiting Body Mushrooms. Uh, we're doing our own mushroom medicinal supplements um, in Thailand, and we did this because I wanted the product. It wasn't in Thailand. It's not in Asia. We wanted high-quality mushroom extracts. I think we're the only one on Lazada selling it, so you can check it out. Link in the description. Uh, it's I think it's blowing up now, but I don't want to be too arrogant about that. But this stuff is absolutely I almost swore. Awesome. Uh, do not forget to like, subscribe, hit the bell. Uh, let us know. Leave us some comments. If you want to come on the podcast as well, hit me up, send me a DM, and tell us, tell me why. Tell me your interesting story. So without further ado, let's get this podcast started with Mick. Hey, Mick, first, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I know it's short notice. Um, yeah. I, and this is, is, is this your, is this your podcast, Cherry? Is this your first podcast? Hey, we're, we're. We're, we're popping we're popping the podcast cherry boom i love it i think we ryan too so that's two virgins in one day i'm crushing it <laughs> it's funny because so many people they've they've never done them especially living in thailand there's not really any studios um around here maybe some in bangkok um so yeah i love to love to pop a cherry <laughs> okay Let's jump right into it because we're going to try to keep this podcast under 45 minutes. I'm going to aim for 38. We don't know. Let's, you can see the timestamps now. And, oh, we have timestamps below so you can navigate different chapters of different content to get me to shut the hell up. Um, but we're going to jump into it with Mick. First, let us know how you got into your profession in Cologne, Germany. Bring us from your childhood right up to you're involved in martial arts, MMA. You're doing some refereeing and coming to Phuket. I'm just going to let you run with it. Tell us what, where, where you're from and a little bit about your story. Okay, I'm going to try to keep it short. So what happens is that I was born in Germany, but I'm not German. I don't have a German nationality and I don't have any German blood. So it's all mixed up. Basically, it's my mom's French Italian. My father was from Central Africa. Let's push that mic in so a bit. Just my, a bit. Perfect. Just closer. Yeah, that's good. Um, so my mom's French Italian. My father was from Africa. They've met in Germany, and decided to stay there. That's how it all come across. I've never uh, taken over the German nationality, so I have a French passport. Grew up there, born there, grew up there, educated there. 
um, the last eight years I've spent in Switzerland uh, because of a job that I've been recruited for, which was quite a nice one. Um, and yeah, martial arts, obviously, right? Like most people probably that come on how board. Did, how did you get into martial arts? And, and I'll, I'll just stop you for a second. Like 99% of the stories, it has to do with bullying. And they, like, they'll say along the lines of, you know, kids, kids were starting to fight in my school and I saw this coming and someone bullied me and I said, fuck that, I'm going to go learn how to, you know, protect myself. But what's your story? Honestly, there's no big story behind it, Brandon. I was, uh, I've never been bullied. I have been bullied, yes, I have. But it's not the reason I got into martial arts. And um, I just love to train. I did some um, body, not bodybuilding, but, you know, I was pumping, pumping iron, right, uh, back then. And um, what happened is that I was, I've always been interested in martial arts. I loved watching martial arts movies. And I've, I'm from that generation that watched like Van Damme and, you know, all those guys, uh, Wesley Snipes and so on and so forth. And um, yeah, so we've, uh, I've, I've loved it. I've loved it. I was admiring it. I've never done it. I did, I've always been an athlete. I did sports all my life. I started five years old playing soccer because Germany, right? Yeah. <laughs> so soccer, basketball, um, table tennis, all that kind of stuff. And uh, then eventually started pumping around, like around lifting weights with 16 or something. Um, still, still no martial arts, right? Really? So you're starting much later? Uh, way later, yes. And then what happens is that um, I, I started some, people are going to laugh at me now, I started Wing Chun back then. Oh, uh, kind of like Tony Ferguson, Bruce Lee, Wing Chun. Uh, yeah, correct. Like basically what, what Bruce Lee was learning before he developed his own style. Um, that, Kyo, that's Kyo with, the, the, with the wooden it, dummies. The yes. wooden dummies, yes. Exactly, yes. That's exactly what I did. Yes. So um, I was doing that, and I've met a guy there, uh, and it was, it was cool because my first lesson was his first lesson. So, all right, so I put it together, and so we grew together, or we, let's see, how would you say, like you, we progressed together, mm -hmm. right? Which was a cool thing, and then he left eventually, and I've left, and we never made it too far. But um, I've always been told that ah, you have a certain talent, right? Because uh, you see that you have a, a, a good feeling for your own body, which obviously if you do sports all your life, that's what just comes naturally, I guess. And um, yeah, so a few years later, uh, fast forward to, I was 19, I believe, 19? 20. And um, yeah, I get a call and it was so weird. I mean, back then, no cell phones, right? So no page, nothing. So basically, people had to call. You cannot imagine today if you're like a youth of today. Yeah, if you were like calling someone's home and asking the parents to, can I please talk to Brandon, right? So that's what happened. And s then I, c I come back. My mom tells me, hey, uh, there's a guy who's looking for you. Um, but our phone number was not listed. Well, it was a secret phone number. So he was looking for you. He, c he called your sister's home because he found your name there. And she called me, and he's looking for you. And this is his number. So I was like, all right, so I don't know that person. So I'm calling him, and he tells me, hey, this is Christian. We don't know each other. Um, but here's the situation. I run a security company, and um, the, the, the gym I was lifting weights in, they had like a little aerobic area where some, of, some guys were always fighting there. Like There was some taekwondo and some whatever courses, which I wasn't interested in back then. 
And um, this Christian that called me, he was in that gym as well. So he was like saying, he, he was saying, yeah, and um, I've known about you by my friend Sebastian, who was the guy that years before I was doing martial arts with, like Wing Chun with, right? And I've heard about him and, you know, you look at, and we have like a big, um, big event coming up and we need people that would want you to work as a bouncer with us. And that's how I started. So I was, yeah, more money, of course, right? So I was doing that and then... Uh, Yeah, the, the same night, like two two hours in, he comes to, he steps up to me. He's like, well, um, you know, I've observed you and I like the way you're working and I'd like to ask to you to come more often with us. I was like, yeah, cool, okay. And we train together every time, every, or whatever, four times a week or something in that gym. Then you'd, you'd, you're subscribed anyway to the gym, just come over, train with us. And I was like, yeah, sure. And that's how it started, actually. And these guys were sick, Brandon, I'm telling you that. We trained together. They became my best friends eventually. Like we're just hanging out every day together. And the only thing we were ever talking about was fighting. Mm. Like there was nothing else. There was no no cars, no women, just fighting all the time. And like thinking back, it's like these guys were crazy. And they thought they were cool, right? But on the other hand, I believe that this is something which is um like set my uh, brought my mindset to really be analyzing because we were talking details brendan i mean you can imagine imagine that if we were spent together whatever 60 hours a week let's say um we're not talking about very general stuff but it was stuff like let me give you an example mm. here let me push the mic away so i'm in the corner right so here's a wall and here's a wall right so is it smarter to stand like this mm. or like this Stuff like that. And then someone will come up and he's like, all right, so um, you're in a fight. Would you rather have a shield and a knife or two swords? And then we would have been discussing that for hours. Hours, I'm telling you. Until you go back home, you go to sleep, and then you have that thought. And <laughs> you just call him the next day. You're like, yo, yo, I've thought about something else. But what if? And just details. And that's how I got into analyze, being really analyzing when it comes to fighting. And uh, we were talking about, you know, becoming professional bodyguards and stuff like that. So we read a, lot, not read a lot of books about this. Yeah, and that's basically my first steps into fighting. Were you training a specific martial, martial art, karate, taekwondo? No, or no, what? no, no. We were training whatever works because uh, like we didn't want to do any sports. Because we were thinking, like, we were working as bounces, right? And um, so we need to do things that take, follow techniques that work. So we're looking at, all right, there's Wing Chun, there's Jet Kyundo, there's like Bruce Lee style. Um, all right, we trained with some boxers. And the good thing was that, um, again, I was like 20. And um, I've been working the doors ever since then until I was 29. And that was, um, by working the doors, I mean minimum three weeks, three times a week. So sometimes more. So and obviously I was changing the clubs and everything, right? Because we, we were growing, and then I got to know other people, and then I was meeting Brandon, and Brandon's a boxer, and he was like, hey, you know what? Just Thursday night, pass by at six o'clock, right? So I go there, I do a little boxing, I do a little this, I do a little that, until 2004. It's a long time ago, guys. Mm -hmm. That was my first time I came to Thailand. 2004, I'm coming to Thailand with friends from Germany. Just, like, just to travel and come see Thailand. 
Well, I was with, with friends, and they had a friend that was living here. It's like we've flown over to see him. It's just ten days, and uh, I was like, oh, "I'm in, right?" Because I've always been interested in Asia. Like, I think I mean we can talk about that later. But I was like, I've always been interested in Asia. I always loved Asia, uh, without ever having been there, right? I was like, "Bro, you you flying to Thailand? Bro, I'm in, right?" All right, so we fly to Thailand, um, and what happens is that. I do Muay Thai, of course. And then I was like, oh, Muay Thai is the best. Where, where were you? At Tiger? In Drum Tien. That was Drum Tien that's next uh, to Pattaya. Pata- yeah, John, okay, yes, yes. I don't know how you pronounce John, it. I, I'm thinking John Tien. I think it's a beach, right? Drum Tien is a beach, yes. Yes, okay. Yes, correct. So we were right there, and then we were, um, yeah, I was doing Muay Thai. I was going, but uh, Muay Thai is the best, bro. I need to do Muay Thai. And uh, so I'm flying back to Germany, and I was like, I, I'm looking for a Muay Thai club, right? So I'm going to every Muay Thai club around, like spend two weeks there, four weeks there, and obviously I don't find anything similar to what I've experienced here in Thailand, right? Because it's not the same. It's just not. It's just not. So I'm like, okay, this is not it. Okay, I need to change. And then switch to all the clubs. Uh, didn't find out what I was looking for and started training back with my friends in that aerobic room <laughs> of the gym, right? And then in 2007... Another friend of mine that was working as a bouncer as well, he was like, oh, you know what? There's uh, this guy, he's come back, and he's so good at fighting. He's a wrestler, and he does some ground fighting, whatever, and we're training with him now. He's, he was in Norway, and he came back, and we're training with him now. So, all right, let me come. Like, just, there was nothing else on my mind anyway, right? So I'm meeting him, and what happens is that I fall in love with Jits. Obviously, because, you know, something which I've never experienced before um, through my years of training stand-up, wherever I was going, be it a boxing gym, uh, whatever, Shotokan gym, be it a kickboxing gym, what I, I was always, I got along, right? I got beaten up, of course, but, you know, I've, I was able to land some punches, land some kicks or whatever. Ground fighting? Useless. Whole different <laughs> story. Whole right? different story. Yeah. I've been, I've been, abused <laughs> i might say There's yeah you know useless you meaning when you're beginning you're essentially useless exactly you yeah, have no 100 like, 100 for people that in, uh, we're talking about jujitsu i could have two months of training and if it was your first day you probably don't have a chance like at a certain yes. level yes that's that's how i explain it to people it's like when i'm uh if i go boxing right i can go box for 10 days, for 10 months, sorry. Let's say a year. I go boxing for a year. I take my boxing classes, uh, which means, because I'm not in Thailand, right? So probably most people that train boxing go like two or three times a week, maybe. Like let's say Monday, Wednesday, Friday for one and a half hours. And then Friday night they can because they want to go to the movies and then the girlfriend's birthday and so on and so forth. So it's like leisure, right? And after one year, if he gets into a fight he might get knocked out. If someone spends the same time on the mats training jits after one year, if he gets into a fight and he gets to have a hold of the other person, it's over. Yeah, it's just too technical. It's too, it's, it's like, the thing is that instinctively, whatever you do is wrong if you don't know about ground fighting. If you want to push them away and turn away and... Whatever you do, it's just you're just offering limbs, and they're just mm-hmm. gonna you know benefit from that. 
But you found you you found jujitsu. You said almost at twenty nine. I was twenty seven. Twenty seven. At this point, were you planning to do any like actual uh, like getting involved in MMA and martial arts and f competing? No, I was watching. We were watching the UFC, and I was. Um, so th this sorry, this would have been sorry. this is two thousand four, five, seven. So this two thousand. Well, I started with jits in two thousand seven. Yes. Yeah. Which, which to be to be clear, um, or to be exact, let's say, um, I started training Luta Livre, mm. which is also Brazilian, which is basically the poor man's version of Jits, of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, because um, we never trained in a gi. It's like in Brazilian, there were like these two standards, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right, which everybody knows, like knows about probably, or most people. Uh, which trained with the kimono. And then there were people that wanted to train, but they couldn't afford the kimono. So they trained Luta Livre, which is less known. I mean, there's a bunch of big names that were fighting the UFC and everything um, that came from that style. And, uh, well, the big difference is probably is that Luta Livre, you do, you have leg locks and heel hooks and everything from the start, because why not? Whereas in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like Ata Suave, right, the gentle art, mm. they're like, um, okay, okay, heel hooks are gay because uh, you didn't pass my guard, right? Because the, the, the art is to pass the guard, right? But then there's Luta Livre Esportiva, which is just grappling. Luta Livre Valetudo, which mm, some people might have heard Valetudo before. I mean, it's like no holds barred, right? Which is MMA, basically. So that's what I was training back in 2007. And uh, yeah, so I started, and again, oh, you're talented, and you're very... So, sorry to interrupt on that. What, and then how, what's the difference between, like, nowadays we, you go to a gym and you're doing basically on a, on a, uh, like a weekly schedule, you'll have options on gi and no gi. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between luta livre and no gi? Is there a difference? The difference between luta livre and no gi is... Um, probably the minor, what I've just mentioned, that you would do heel hooks from the beginning. You'd attack the legs from the beginning. The art is not, the art is to submit you or to dominate you. It's not to pass your guard, mm. which is like the whole thing of jits, right? Mm, but um, yeah, since, um, <coughs> since uh, in jits they have started doing nogi, right? Which they call nogi, is, um, it's quite similar. I couldn't like if you have like two guys rolling with you with the, uh, each other on a higher level, you wouldn't know who does with which style. Right. I mean, it's kind of everybody's training both now, but, but pro yes. probably most likely because of MMA has pushed that. I believe so. Yeah. Yes. So uh, as you continue your training jujitsu and your your martial arts story, because um, I've seen you, you're doing a lot of refing as well, but connecting that all into the mentality of actually professional professionally competing. Or, or getting it, or being involved in that like did any of this all come together like how did that click I have so I start training right so I start training ground fighting which is cool uh, 2007 that was and um, again like I was one of the because my coach back then uh, Bjorn he just got back to Germany so it was quite a novice class right there was no there were no high level guys so I know I was there quite early after his return to Germany so that means that I'm there from the start, so I learn from the start, and I'm 
I got along quite well, let's say. And uh, yeah, what happens is that then people leave and other people come and everything. And like at a time, I'm one of the eldest students. And um, yeah, I didn't, everything I was trying worked out well. Sometimes there were other guys from other schools coming over, like for an open mat or anything, worked along well as well. Well as well. So it work, was working out, right, my techniques. And then I was like, okay, yeah, it's cool, but like what do you know about yourself if you don't compete, right? Because it's cool to be the best in the class, but, you know, it's like what does that mean, actually? Mm. So I was like, or I need to do like one MMA bout to know what it's like. That was my initial thought. I need to do one bout so I know. All right, so I start training, start preparing, do my bout. And after that fight, I was like, okay, did it. Worked out well. I won that fight by a triangle choke. And um, then I was, I don't know where that thought came from, but I was like, okay, so let's imagine I'm sitting here with Brandon, right? And I'm on a podcast and uh, he asked me, oh, what about your journey and your fights? And do you have competed in MMA? And I'm like, yeah, I've competed. I've did one fight. I've done one fight. And they're like, well, one fight. Well, like, don't even mention it. That's what I thought. It's like, now, for example, I, I say one fight in Chile, or you have 12 or 18 or whatever. I was like, then it's like, you're not even in the discussion because you don't know. So I was like, all right, I need to do at least three or four so people will accept me. As, and by people, I mean other fighters. In the community. Yeah, exactly. Like other fighters, other yeah, then the uh, people in the community, they will say, "All right, yeah, he, he's okay. He is, yeah, he has fights, but he's the only one, so we don't know. But he has four, he has seven, or whatever. But I, I need to do like three or four in order to be allowed t at that table. What What is that number at that like the unspoken rule to sit at that I, table? I have no idea. <laughs> but back then, in my stupid mind, I was like, one is not enough. You need three or four, right? So what happens is that." Um, I do another one, turns out well, I win, it's cool. And what happened then is that um, I changed my team. So I didn't train with the same coach anymore. I went over to a different team in Cologne, Germany as well. <coughs> and um, there, they were like, back then, they were like the best team in Germany or one of the best teams, like I was top three or something, uh, with a lot of competitors. And then it got quite fast. And I was there. Then the guy from my first bout, he asked for a rematch. All right, let's do a rematch. So I'm in. And then they had management contracts and everything and sponsoring contracts. And I was unbeaten, right? Because I was 2-0, and oh, so unbeaten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I was in there. And then I, I love the vibe. I love the atmosphere. I love the sports and training anyway. And then that community that you've mentioned before, like within those um, competitors because we were like pushing each other and back then I mean I'm talking 2010 here right so back then in Germany there were no not so many events there was not like there were 36 promotions or anything there's like maybe three right or yeah because like if people need to understand I don't know why I always say that but in this way 2010 mm -hmm. is pre Conor McGregor era therefore 100%. UFC hasn't really blown up yet this uh -huh. is like 
probably Brock Lesnar era, like around that time. It, UFC still isn't on the. Bro, they're Pride, still on Pride was still on. Yeah, Pride then. is still on. So this is way before it's you know people wanting to jump and train into yes. these gyms. It's not at all what is to like. I don't know, like in about other countries, but in Germany today is a whole different ball game. There's so many clubs. There's so many promotions. Let us change. Like by the, like I didn't. I've never fought amateur. There weren't. There were no amateur fights back then. Like you go in and my first fight was pride rules, but with elbows. So I could knee to the head on the ground, soccer kick kicks. to the head, yeah. soccer kicks, stomp kicks, elbows, and no rules. So I'm not saying no rules, but um, basically, basically raw. Let's say, yeah. And then yeah, and that's basically the story. That I I was Did in that team, part of that team. We grew together. And we were pushing each other because we we're mostly preparing at the same time. Did you see that maybe, was it going to be a career or was never. this just a hobby? Never. I've never, I, again, I'm talking 2010, that means I'm tw tw uh, 29, yeah. right? Turning 30. And I've never, I've, I've always had jobs. I've always worked um, full time next to being uh, uh, an athlete. I've never thought, like, okay, I'll, I'll become the next UFC champion or anything, never. No, you're, you're, oh, I'm sorry, the dog's barking, <laughs> threw me off. Um, you, you're working as a bouncer at the same time during the, this training? I was training, working as a bouncer, and that was, again, like three times a week, four times a week maybe, um, or pre-holidays and everything. Um, but I've always worked, um, I've always had other jobs, other occupations mm. as well, which was, um, I can talk about it. Yeah. Um, I was, uh. I'm missing the English word here. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm you know, English is not my native yeah, yeah, language. No, we'll, so. we'll, we'll get there. We'll put <laughs> subtitles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> that was mean, though. <laughs> um, I was a, a judicial officer. So I was working in jail. Okay, yeah. But I had the keys, right? So gotcha. I'm in jail, but I have the keys. So I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, you're allowed uniform. to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was doing that for quite some time. Until I left in 2000, basically then, I think 2009 was the day mm. I left. And then um, I started go because I'm, like, let's be honest, right? Because I'm, I want to have a good life, more or less. And um, again, good is, like, relative. But um, working for the state, you don't earn that much money that you could, so yeah, so I was like, all right, I need to go into the private sector. And I've always, as we've talked about earlier, I also was interested in bodyguarding and security, and I've worked in security all my life. Now uh, working for the state, which is also always a plus on a CV. Um, yeah, so I decided to step over into the private sector to be more, how do I pull it? Ah, well, you're, <laughs> able, you're able to make better income. You have more yes. flexibility. Yes. You're yes. working for yourself. I mean, correct. So is that what led you to Switzerland? Um, no. I have, um, so I started working for a U.S. company, which I'm not going to name, but it was a U.S. retail company. And um, same thing, was there, and through my experience, um, they've appreciated the, my way of working, and I've learned a lot from them. Very standardized. Standardized, that word? Standardized, yeah. Standardized, yeah. thank you. Um, Yes, yeah, so I was doing that for quite for a few years, 
uh, which was when I had a career there as well, which was cool. And then I, um, I'm on LinkedIn, which mm. some people know probably. And uh, then I got recruited by uh, a headhunter from London for that open role in Switzerland, which was like, are you interested? I was like, yeah, for sure, let's talk. Um, and three job interviews and one two and a half hour assessment test online later, <laughs> I'm in Switzerland and got that job. What, what was the job exactly? Are you able to share details? I was a, I was a director of security for a retail company. So uh, retail as in like a sh uh, luxury, yes. maybe a luxury brand. Stores, exactly. So you're, you're, you're now you're, con you're managing a team for the security side. And I mean, this could be anything like in a mall, like a Louis Vuitton or something like this. Yes. So we had, um, when I started uh, back then, that was by, by back then, that's, it, it was back then. It's 2015. God damn it. Yeah. I guess Sorry. it is back. Sorry. Then. Can I say that? No, no, so, I know. <laughs> so I know. It feels like yesterday though, right? It does. Right? Yeah. It does. Don't so worry, 2015. God damn, I'm old. <laughs> So 2015, I, uh, May, I started in Switzerland. Back then we had 96 stores. So I was in charge of the stores, obviously, plus um, the headquarters, plus the group international buying offices that were in Zurich as well. Um, yeah, plus the, the um, DC, the distribution center. Mm. So that was my... Managing all the security that has to be involved there. Managing so it's, all... It's a very analytical job instead of... You're like, do you have boots on the ground? I I had I had yes, and I was like fortunate to because I was too young to just sit in the office all day, right. right? So um, yeah. So physical security was one thing, right? So cameras, whatever, EAS, so um, electronic article surveillance, CCTV, um, intrusion alert, all the kind of stuff for all the different buildings. Then you have man guarding, which needs to be managed. So you need third part third party suppliers, which I was negotiating the contracts with. And the same for the rest as well, right? Because there's not like one security system installed there. You know, it's like, man, you do a rollout, you know, you do throw, write a tender, mm -hmm. and then eventually you find the right company to take over a certain part, or maybe. So you're doing, you're helping to do the the tender for the purchasing of the the product Correct. as well, purchasing or leasing why, or whatever. Yes. Why didn't you? Did you ever d uh, have thoughts to go into the military or or like that level <coughs> of government? Um, yes, I. Uh, before becoming a judicial officer, like my first thought was to go to the um, federal police in Germany. That's what I wanted to do, actually. And that's like equivalent to the U.S.'s CIA type of? Um, no, no, because they have uniforms at times. It's, it's, it's Initially, it was um, the federal police in Germany is they were supposed to guard the borders, right? And there is um, GSG-9, so GSG-9, that is um, like a, the Special Forces Unit, which is quite renowned worldwide. Um, and that was obviously my goal, right? Because you, you just don't want to jump in, you'll be with the best yeah. of the best, right? That was my goal back then. Didn't work out. Then I went to, because I'm French, right? So I was like, all right, my mom was always saying, you have so many languages. Go to um, don't go to don't go to go to the military. Uh, do the um, um, Eurocorps, which is like a European Army force, mm. and um, kind of like an Interpol almost. Correct, correct, yeah. correct. But as an army, and um, <coughs> so I was thinking about that, and then I was like, well, okay, but you need to start with the French, and then you can work your way up. So I went over to France, um, and yeah, got some information about it. I was like, all right, let me sign up for a year. 
then I'll see how it turns out, right? And then uh, he was like, no, nah, it's minimum two years. I was like, two years is a lot, bro. <laughs> so so if I, I ended up not doing it. And uh, yeah, and then my that friend Christian that got me into the bouncer jobs, he was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go work in jail, man. It's like the same as, as a bouncer. You're constantly fronting with the people. And I was like, <coughs> I'm not so sure about that. But he was like, let's just do it. Let's just apply, right? And as it is, I got the job and he didn't. So mm. that's how I ended up there. Now, th this type of work, you must constantly be on high alert, <laughs> very similar to riding a motorbike in Thailand. <laughs> well put. Well right? Put. You, cannot, uh, you, cannot just, you cannot drive your bike around here and drop your guard. I mean, it's extremely dangerous. Sure. Same thing as a security guard. How, how does that work in carrying it over into your personal life when you need to turn off, or do you just never turn off? I, um, people who know me will tell you that I'm probably the most calm person that you've ever come across. Like, I'm always zen, mm. as I say. It's like, I, I don't have those fluctuations of moods or of um, whatever, getting angry, being super happy, being super sad. I don't go through like this that. Manic. I don't. I don't go through that. I'm quite relaxed, always. Which was a good thing, because talking about it, um, especially as a bouncer, like, I was working with a bunch of guys, obviously, throughout the years, and... Um, some of them were like, you know, taking some supplements, which <laughs> they injected yeah. uh, because they wanted to look bigger and be bigger and whatever. And I was like the small guy always. But um, yeah, I, I, I saw, I've seen, I've witnessed them over-exaggerating in situations which was not necessary. And I've witnessed them... <laughs> Um, going to court because of it. Mm -hmm. And then basically they had to pay back the guy or whatever that they've you know, dropped. And for me, I was like calculating. I was like, all right, so that means that the next four months you'll work for free because you have to pay that guy. Like all your money goes to him. And throughout all those years, I've been to court twice because of um, aggression in front of the club. <coughs> and... Um, Always got out free, like nothing, because they were like CCTV, yeah. CCTV, and I was in the group, right? And then my lawyer was, you see that guy? That's him. Okay, see, he doesn't do anything. Like he pushes one guy, he holds one guy, whatever. But he's not, he was, he's not actively fighting, um, in that sense. So, and when you when you're doing that, I mean, e even now today, if you walk into uh, a villa mark, a villa market, or you know, a 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. Do you have that analytical mind of like, okay, look for the entrance, the exit, what's that guy's... Do? Is your brain still always going and analyzing? I... I Actually, it is. Actually, it is. It is... Um, what about when you enter this studio? I think... <laughs> it's are, you, are you looking for the exit point? <laughs> no, I, no, but what I've, what I've definitely noticed is that um, it happens because part of my security career... I may call this a was also um, working as a store detective, right? Because later I had to um, train other store detectives, so I had to run through it as well. And um, yeah, it happens that I'm in Villa Market and I'm like, okay, why is his bag open? 
you know, like his the back he has around his his van. Like, where's the back open? Why is he standing? Why is that girl standing so close to that whiskey bottle? And you know, it's yeah, it happens. Do you do you catch yourself wanting to turn it off and it's difficult? No, it's just like I don't. I don't. Just this is like it's just natural to you now. It is. It's not like it's not disturbing me. It's like you know, I'm like I might stand and I might observe or whatever, use something to observe and. Like okay, I'm sure she's gonna take it, but you know what? I don't have time for this. And I'll yeah, <laughs> and I'll walk my way and buy my stuff. But um, yeah, it is. Uh, but it's not disturbing me to a fact that to to a point that I would be like, oh, I'd love to turn it off. So no, it's that's just me. Now, when when you're in those positions, do you have stories you can share of of maybe maybe a story that you know that that is fair to share with with this podcast of a time that happened during this position of you know, maybe uh, something more extreme that you had to deal with or anything. I don't know if you're under NDA. What can you share of like <laughs> a specific situation in those details? Um, it's a very open-ended question. <laughs> I am under NDA actually, but that's not related to a podcast. It's related to like if I was to start with a new company, okay. you know, stuff like that. Um, but honestly, there's, there's no reply I'd have for that, but there's something else I'd love to mention. Because um, we've talked about my calmness and my um, balanced um, state of mind, and that helps me has helped me a lot through fights as well. Like when I was going through my professional MMA career, um, there were like two sides to it, right? Because it's like the two sides. How do you say two edged two, two swords? Sides to the two sides to every story. True. So what happens is that I'm uh, I'm in a fight. And I'm in a bad spot, right? Because I got mounted or whatever, and I'm st I'm not panicking, and I l think that's a good thing. Like, I'm not panicking. It's not like okay, I got grounded, pounded. But it's like okay, I feel like okay, uh, okay, okay. There's the foot. Okay, I can wrap that foot. Or okay, there's the cage. Or whatever. I'm still thinking actively to s to see okay, how do I get out of this, um, or how do I avoid harm rather than panicking and being like mm -hmm. doing stupid mistakes because of not thinking properly. Um, my ex-coach, though, in Germany, he was always saying like, Mick, I need you to be more aggressive. Like you're thinking too much. And I believe that that's a fact that at times in a fight, I was um, overthinking sort of. because, And I, I catch myself, like even during sparring. right? I'm like, all right, so, okay, so whatever. There's the thigh, I'm going to kick that thigh. I was like, okay, give me, give me one second. Okay, let's to come a bit closer. Come a bit closer. Then, I, then I'm gonna kick you, right? And then you do something else, or, or I have, or there's a, a wall or whatever. And then it's, uh, the situation is gone, and I just didn't make use of it. And um, instead that of just flowing with it, instead of just doing it, yeah, just stop overthinking, and do what you gotta do. And that um, translates to coming to Thailand, for example coming like doing whatever like opening a business it's like stop overthinking just go for it make mistakes along the way learn from it and let's stay on it it's kind of even like podcasting you have to do that from like a lot of people like the guest will never get it until you become the host and mm -hmm. when you're podcasting when you're when you're talking um, a question might come to my head and then as you continue, that question disappears because the timing doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And another one will come up. Yes, yes. And if you don't release those questions 
unless they're really good, then you got to save them for later. But you also can't come back to them because the time you can't just insert. It doesn't yes. work. Yes. So it's the same thing with like always when I initially started podcasting, you would tell a story and then the guests would tell a story. And I'd be like, oh, that's the best question. And then you, you have to keep thinking of it or you lose it. And if you keep holding on to it, you're not listening to anything they're saying. Exactly. And then what ends up happening is you just throw it in there and it's like, where the fuck did that <laughs> question come from? You're like, ah, I just thought it was the best. Yeah, maybe 10 minutes ago. Yeah. So I, I, this is how it is with podcasting. You're constantly, you have to flow too. And, and, and if you overthink and overanalyze as a host, you will never listen to the guest. And it's, it's not easy. It's difficult. I know exactly what you're talking about, Brandon. I've been um, back in Germany, as you've already pointed out earlier. So I was refereeing as well. I was officiating. So I was a, a judge or a ref or a timekeeper or inspector or whatever. And um, so I had like, a, I've basically run through all the roles of an MMA event because I've been like an athlete and a coach and a judge and a referee and a timekeeper. And I've been calling fights as well. And that's what I wanted to talk about now, that, um, as you said, same thing, like, I was interviewing people, like, right, and so we, yeah, as you said, he's talking, he's talking, I was like, okay, I need to talk, I need to ask about that. And he, you know, sometimes, like, especially right after a fight, right, so not, not in the cage, I'm not talking in the cage, but, you know, are you one, all right, judge lifts your arm, you come out, and then I grab you. And then they're still so full of adrenaline that they just keep talking, 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 talking. And it's difficult to just jump in there because you don't want to interrupt, right? Because you want to let him you know, be in his flow and be happy about his situation, his win probably. But then coming back to that same question is quite a difficult one. I totally feel that. Yeah, just the, if the timing's off, you have to just let them go even though they're the best. Sometimes it, the, the question works so well of that second Yes. And but you can't just interrupt with the stories. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, people are listening. And if you keep interrupting, what ends up happening is there's no flow. It's just like we go in this way. We're going this way. Yes. We're going that way. Instead mm -hmm. of to be honest, when you watch a podcast, you want the, the guest just to tell that story and not interrupt and, and try to like finish their sentence. Get it. And, and that's, yeah, so it, it gets challenging. You're like, fuck, that question's so good, but it just doesn't You're work. You're doing a great job, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, let, let's jump more into the Thailand side and connecting yes. yourself to be essentially full-time here, correct? That is correct. Okay. Uh, you started Finally. Finally, right? Finally, yes. You, made you it. You started uh, uh, Kaito Sports. That is correct. We're, we'll talk about this. this Jap now, this is a Japanese name. It is. But your last name is not. <laughs> so, that's very, maybe, that, maybe that's the slogan of the store um, so now you're really going to confuse people they're going to come in it's a Japanese name you tell them your full name you're, you're just going to confuse everyone like, wait a minute where's the owner what's going on in here <laughs> who's that guy but uh, I want to connect uh, Kaido Sports and hey they, if you're in uh, the Bangtao region they got uh, mushroom supplements and tons of other stuff supplements geese clothing awesome store just opened up um, kind of by Taste, and everyone's familiar with Taste and Tesco right next door to that. Um, let's talk about this part of the journey. I re I've seen you be coming to Bangtao MMA probably for a, probably close to the past maybe six months to a year. Time goes fast. Tell me the whole story of you actually coming to Thailand. I'm assuming if you knew Ryan, you must have been over at Tiger. Now you're up here. Now you got your own, uh, 
your own supplement and sports gear store. Mm -hmm. Tell me that whole part of the story. Okay, so I've already mentioned earlier that I've always loved Asia, either, even before coming here. The first time I've come to Asia in 2004, uh, Thailand, Jomtian, was... Um, I didn't... I, was, I came with a bunch of guys, right? We were like t 10, 10 guys. And some of them had never been to Thailand, just as I had not. So we arrive, and they're like, oh, wow. They're like, this is so cool here. And I just, you know, hands in my pocket, walk along the street, I'm like, just, I'm like, I'm home, sort of, right? It's not like overwhelming or anything. It's like, that's where I belong. You felt grounded. Yeah, I've, exactly. Thank you. That those are the words. So I felt grounded. I was like, that's where I belong. That's what I should have been probably all that time. Probably there's some some Asian guy running around Asia somewhere that has, should have been black the whole time. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I was I was feeling home. I was feeling welcome. I was feeling like yeah, this this is it. This is I made it sort of for ten days, right? Mm. Yeah. So I'm flying back, and I was like, well, now I know. I always thought so, but now I know. So now, sorry to interrupt that part. Now, this was from the first time you. That came. was my very first time, okay. exactly. So now you're trying to think of that way. How do I get back there? Every time, so I was like, I need to get back there, and, so, and then ever since I have come back every year, or 2021, right? Thanks to COVID, but I've come back every year, um, like several times a year at times, and only Thailand, right? So I was like, it's the best like and then then i get to hear from my mom or whoever yeah but thailand again <laughs> right because like she doesn't understand and she's like yeah but because she goes to egypt to see the pyramids and she goes to cuba and she goes to vietnam and stuff like that especially now that she's retired and um like, why don't you want to go to new york see the statue of liberty and i was like no yeah but you have to see that once in your life i was like no i don't like and i was like i was thinking in Thailand, I have everything that I am looking for. Like, why would I, especially beforehand, right, when I was still working full-time, I was like, why would I um, take off my leave time, take off my vacation that is limited and fly to wherever for 10 days, two weeks, and then I know it's okay. It's cool, maybe. Maybe I don't like it, right? But maybe it's cool, but Thailand's better. And I'd always regret. So like, I don't need, to, I, I, everything's cool in Thailand, I'm staying there. So I'm going back and forth. And back then I was saying like, when I'm like 33, 34, I'll live there forever. Cool, today I'm 43, right? So 10 years later, because um, as it is, right? I mean, I was like, I could have done it by 33. I could have come then. But then it's like, you know, you start buying your first apartment, you want to, um, pay that off first and there's a second apartment and you know you, there's always something that's holding you back somehow and I believe that that's the fact for um, most people out there actually like it's like the classic one right you study and then you say like when I finish my studies I'll travel the world for 10 months but then whatever you get your first job you go into corporate or whatever you get a girlfriend you get a wife you get a baby you get that car you get that luxury of a um, Mercedes-Benz, let's say, and then that luxury becomes normality, so you 
it's not you need it in your life because you feel a downgrade afterwards and just then ties you down to that location. It ties you down all the time. Then the second baby and then maybe you buy a house or anything and then you end up never doing it. And that's what I was mentioning earlier. Just just do it. Just do it. Like if that's what you want, if that what fulfills you, do it. Did you have to well I mean you're saying so this happened thirty three to forty three, ten years to now finally this is really home. You're here pretty much the whole year. What what did you have to do to plan to make that happen? I, I'll tell you what, Brandon. What happened is that, um, shout out to Bangtao Muay Thai, because it's those guys that made me come here now. So here's what happens. So I come to Thailand 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 2014 is my first time to Tiger Muay Thai. So my first time to Phuket. So I'm in Phuket and I get to know the Bagtao guys. And, um, oh, this is even better. So now it's always Tiger, 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 every time. And then uh, 2021, so 2020 I was here when COVID hit, uh, March. And um, 2021 I didn't come. And then 2022, last year, um, I'm coming here, but okay, we're in Bagtao now. I said, okay, well then, I'm going to Bangtao. Like, You're talking to George or Alex? Or? I was talking to Peter back then. Oh, okay. And because um, he had moved up before, right? Before opening of the gym. And he was like, well, I'm in Bangtao. Like, well, come. I'm come where you guys are. Like, I don't, yeah. not, you know, I don't come because of Tiger. I come because of you. So I'm going up to Bangtao. And then, and all those years, Brandon, all those years, every time when I was in Thailand, I've been to Thailand and I was like, I'm happy to be here. One day I'm going to live here. And then the guys were saying that, right? I'm talking to JP and he's like, ah, oh, when you come, when you're going to live here, we're going to take a motorbike trip up there or whatever. And then Pete is like, oh, when you are going to live here, then we're going to do this and this. And I'm like, yeah, one day I'm going to live here. And it was always like that dream somehow that, you know, eventually some, some day far away. But last year that, that thought changed. Last year when I was here and I saw what the guys were opening up at Bangtao Muay Thai and MMA, um, I was there and I was like, it's not one day I'll come here. It's like, what do I have to do to come here as fast as possible? I'm 41 now and I, my plan was to be here like at 34, like the age most of the guys are now, right? Which is a great age to be here. And I was like, I mean, I, I don't feel my age, right? Because I still spar with the guys, I train with the guys, everything's cool. But um, I was like, okay, if I wait another 10 years, then there's no point coming here anymore. Obviously, it would be cool to be at 45, right? That's not, that's not what I meant. But I, you wouldn't be doing the things you're doing today. So I was like, okay, what do I have to do to come here as fast as possible? And that's when I started, you know, grinding the gears and... I'm talking to Pete. All right, let's do something. We need to do something. Right now is the time because Bangtao Muay Thai is, uh, not Bangtao, sorry, Bangtao, the area is quite virgin compared, it's compared to Shalong. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and you don't need to reinvent the wheel in the end, right? Because you, you look what's working in Shalong, what has been working there, what do athletes need, what do they want. You do the same thing up here. It's not that complicated. Mm -hmm. And yeah. That's how um, one of the ideas was, okay, okay. there's no gear shop around. 
Like we have a great gear shop in Blacktown Water in MMA. Um, but then there's also people that go like, well, yeah, it's cool, um, but I don't want to have the whatever. Bang, I'm just saying anything, right? So Bangtao shin guards, mm. um, because back home, then I'm in my home gym and I have the shin guards of a different gym, which is not what I want. I've heard that, people saying that. Yeah, so we're saying like, you know what, let's open up a gear shop. And I've been working with Phantom, shout outs to Phantom Athletics, forever. They've been sponsoring me forever. A great uh, European brand. And then I was saying like, you know what, let me help you out. I will open a gear shop. And you've helped me, supported me throughout all those years. So let me help you grow your brand over in Asia now. So that's Where, Where's the brand from? Austria. Okay. Yeah. And there, there's, are they... Their their branding is more focused on the MMA crowd, or it's more all like it's, um, health it's, and wellness. It's no, no, it's MMA and CrossFit. Okay, so they have a like martial, like they have a lot of wrestling guys, uh, a lot of wrestling, some kickboxers, mostly MMA guys, a lot of CrossFitters, and but they're like mostly known in Europe, like mm -hmm. Western Europe, I'd say. And I was like, and they've been around for a while, 2010, right? So I was like, I told them like, you've been supportive so much, and I appreciate that, and now. Let me help you outgrow your brand, which is one of the plans that we have for here. How long from the initial conversation with Peter and starting uh, Kaito Sports, from that conversation, that idea to it opening a week or two ago, how long mm -hmm. did that take? Yeah, we opened two and a half weeks ago. That's correct. Um, so I was here last year, March, April. That was prior to the opening of Bangtan Motai and MMA, then... The gym opened, was all good, and we were talking about it. And then I was supposed to have a bout, in, an MMA bout, in September. So I came back in August for my fight prep, for my fight camp. And then we were talking about it again. All right, what do we do? All right, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. Because of work permit and all that kind of stuff, right? So, all right, so that's what I need to do, that's what you need to do. So we are giving up tasks. And I was talking to Phantom about, all right, how can we work together in that respect? And then this year I came here in January, January 15th until beginning of April. And that's when we have set everything up. That's when we signed the, the lease for the shop and um, started ordering other stuff. And now obviously it's growing, right? I mean, you haven't been there from the start, I believe. Or you have actually before the general, like the, the um, official opening. Mm. But it was quite last minute as well. Um, yeah, and so we're like, if anything, anybody's out there, right? Shout out, just you know, contact us, Kaido Sports Official, link here. And Hello, um, yeah, we got you. And uh, thank you, sir. <laughs> and yeah, just shoot it out. You got your brand that you want to bring out. If you don't have, if you're in Bangkok, maybe, and you don't have anyone in Phuket selling your stuff, get in touch. And and this this brand, what was the vision behind? The, the the business itself was it just for sports gear because now you're doing we're doing mushroom supplements um what do you see it becoming is it kind are you trying to just be an all-in-one store in terms of people can come they can get protein they can get supplements they can get gear what what do you see that being <sighs> take over the world brandon take over the world there we go <laughs> so what do yeah so um Again, the, the goal, since, since you're asked, the goal is to become the number one gear shop up north, mm -hmm. right? We're not going to, I mean, I don't believe that, let's be honest, right? It's an island. And especially people that live here, 
are freaking lazy. Yeah. Excuse my French. When it comes to commuting, like you know, you text with someone and you're like, hey, you know what? There's this market, you know, in Phuket Old Town. And they're like, bro, that's 25 minutes away. It's so f yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. they are, right? That's how you guys are, actually. <laughs> <laughs> This area, we we don't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, you know, at all. So yeah, so um, I believe that we can become the number one gift shop for up here. I believe that we can uh, grow further than that and become uh, um, a big player online as well, because I I'm I'm convinced that people that come up here, train at Bang Thai MMA or one of the other great gyms that are up here and come shop at our store, maybe even this brand, Phantom Athletics, um, will appreciate the quality and the, the, the price quality ratio uh, so that they'll order online later just because yeah. they're so convinced of it. Or maybe they bring it back to their gym in Singapore And one other guy is like, hey, these are great gloves. Like, where'd you got them from, right? Like, either he comes over or we can send him out. Um, I think that this is the that's the vision that I'm seeing for Kaido Sports. And then, who knows, maybe open another store down south where there's still space. And so, yeah. Hopefully, what we were talking, we'll get you on Lazada, too. Lazada is the... That's you'd, mention, you'd mention pump that, yeah. It. Lazada, just pump the products just so I didn't, simple. I didn't want to say it because it was, I wanted to keep that secret, Shh. but yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does the... Lazada does the, the, the magic for you. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, okay, we were almost... See, we went... We're probably almost at an hour now. Uh-oh. See, it goes fast. I try... I can never keep it too short. Sorry, guys. Um, anyways, all of our eight fans out there, they love us. Um, <laughs> okay, just before we wrap this up, um, I'm going to kick the camera back to you this camera and I, i know we've already talked about kaido sports but this is the official plug so um not not just kaido sports but anything else you're doing and also like your personal instagram if people just want to ask you questions because you've been through the process um you're a veteran now you've made it here you finally you know settled down and you're and you're grand grounded i don't know why i'm over here talking in the microphone <laughs> all right guys uh i'm gonna kick it back to this camera just let everyone know put uh links to the instagram and all those socials in the description so stare right into their souls of that camera and let them know Uh, yeah, guys, so my name is Mick. Um, we've talked about it. I don't know if you've been listening to the whole podcast. So I've been refereeing, I've been judging, I've been fighting, I've been coaching, been doing everything. Um, oh, I didn't even mention, like, I'm co-owner and co-founder of the biggest gym, MMA gym in Germany, See? by the way. <laughs> just that, just that's why these just podcasts, a, just a they, detail. Can, they can easily, you can go an hour, an hour and a half. We didn't yeah. cover, honestly, half no of worries. it probably. Yeah, it's, again, so just a detail. But um, came from Germany, French passport, live in Phuket, Thailand, beautiful island, and uh, the pearl of the sea, as they say. If you have any questions regarding your visa, regarding your work permit, regarding where and how to train best, and uh, whatever experiences I've done through my years of years of decades, I could have even said, of coming down, just shoot me a message. Here's my Instagram. No, here's my Instagram. Down, down. Here's yeah. the... Store Instagram, come visit me in my store. I'm mostly there anyway, and uh, yeah, see you on the mat. You guys are open Monday to Friday. We open uh, Monday to Saturday. What time? Uh, are for now, it's 10 to 5:30 yeah. because I have to do it myself. Uh, but again, it's third week, so we just started. But definitely looking to hire someone. So if anyone out there, right, any Thai person with decent English wants to join in, shoot a message. 
down here. Yeah. And uh, Let yeah, us know in the so comments. I, I guess that by um, oh yeah, exactly. Write in the comments. Um, yeah, I hope that by high season I find someone to um, to, to store help. stuff, and then we'll like increase the hours, right? Yeah. So if you're also if you're maybe looking for a job, you can reach out and help out in the store. But uh, also any suppliers out there looking to carry their product at Kaido Sports, uh, you can reach out to to Mick on Instagram, and we'll leave the Instagram of. Mick and Kaido Sports down in the description or just let us know in the comments if you have any gear that you're maybe um, looking to get involved with them as well. Uh, and again, they're doing supplements. So anyone, everyone reach out. And yep, that's going to wrap up another episode. So a big shout out to Mick for jumping on. I got to run out of here now. I'm off to Laos to officially become legal in Thailand. It, after seven years of student and visas and education visa, visas, we should probably cut this out. Hey, it was all legal. Now officially <laughs> legal with the work papers. We're getting it done. So we'll pop champagne and uh, that'll be in a couple, maybe a week or so. Okay, that wraps it up. Thanks a lot for joining us and we're out. <laughs> <laughs>